Hello, Monetization Nation. I recently interviewed John Rampton, who is one of the top digital marketing influencers. He's a regular contributor to leading business sites such as Entrepreneur, Forbes, and The Wall Street Journal. John is a serial entrepreneur and currently operates digital ventures such as do.com, that's D-U-E.com, and calendar.com. In this interview, John tells the story about a business he grew to $110 million of annual revenue. $92 million of that revenue was from sales on Amazon. Amazon essentially shut down that business after they launched a competing product. John and I discuss why it is so important to build a skyscraper on land we own, along with other monetization stories and secrets, right after this intro. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. You need to build your skyscraper on land you own. So let's Correct. talk a little bit about Paul Allen's venture family link that you and I did together. Launched a Facebook app and, and we helped him do our, in our individual piece yeah. of it. I'm, I'm not taking credit for the whole thing. I did my little piece of it. Yeah, and, everybody um, works together. No yeah. one person on that team. That's right. And so I was chief revenue officer there. As a, as a contract 15 hour a week chief revenue officer, we went from essentially zero revenue, I think, very, very little revenue. Very little. And, yep. and then we did $5 million of revenue in that first 12 months I was there as doing chief revenue. And it was the result of a lot of great people doing a lot of good things, driving a lot of traffic. You know, there, there was a lot that went into that, but $5 million of revenue. And a little bit of luck. Yeah, that's right. Luck. Too. Right place, right time. That's right. And then Facebook said, you are the fourth largest Facebook app. You have what, however many we had at the time, 60 million app installs or something. And yep. they said, okay, you've proven that people really want this functionality that you built into your app. So we're going to yep. take what you've done. We're going to build it into our core Facebook offering. And then these tens of millions of people that had installed it on their main Facebook profile page, we're going yep. to remove it. Even though people chose to put it there, we're going to take uninstall everybody that installed it for them without their permission. And we're going to compete with you directly. And, and that was a great example of building a skyscraper. Paul Allen truly built a skyscraper, but he built it on leased land. He built it on land yes. Facebook owned. And in one day, Facebook was able to just pull the rug out from under him in that business. And he lost a $5 million a year revenue stream and lost the business. You know, he, had, he was able to sell overnight. it. Overnight. Overnight. Yeah, lost it overnight. And, and we've seen this happen over and over again. Amazon, you, you know, you talked about it, where... He, Amazon lets third-party vendors come onto their platform. Sorry, I'm a little passionate about this, but it's just yeah. a pattern we see over and over again. Yep. Amazon lets you come onto their platform. They let you sell the products, but they're doing market research. You're paying to do market research for them. And then they figure out which products sell the best. And then they undercut And they, they own the land. They own the land. And then once they know what product sells the best, they go and find which vendor they can go directly to and manufacture yep. themselves and cut you out of the loop. And, yep. and, and then uh, Facebook did it on Facebook pages. We all spent yep. a ton of money building our Facebook pages. And then all of a sudden they changed the rules and said, you have to pay to be able to contact the people that have already subscribed to your pages saying they wanted to receive your posts. Yep. I mean, just 
they change the rules to make it work for them and, and destroy us. So, so one of the core principles we talk about in the book is you've got to build your skyscraper online. You go and if, if you use Facebook or use Amazon, that's fine. But your goal is to get them back to an email list, um, to something that you own, where you have right. a direct ability to contact your customers outside of any of these other platforms. I'm going to talk about that at all and kind of what yeah. you've seen at those. I ways. mean, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, we, when I, I, so I, I came into a company, it was called Organize. I bought the company and uh, I used what I knew about Amazon and uh, all these platforms to really, really grow our business. Um, we went from, you know, smaller seven figures to eight figures a month uh, in revenue. Uh, and overall, we ended the year with over a hundred million dollars in revenue. Wow. Um, like, I mean, we were, we were crushing it. Right. And in a matter of months, I mean, at what Amazon can give Amazon or eBay or whatever platform you want, it doesn't matter. I, I use Amazon because this happened to me with Amazon. Um, they can take it away. And that's what happened to us. It happened first. We had our own product, which we had purchased from um, the manufacturer. They still manufactured it, but it, we owned 100% rights to it and everything. And it was this stupid little thing called a scrap trap. It hangs on the end of your counter and you cut and you scrape your, your scraps into it. I'd say probably 30% of all the kitchens in America have it right now. You have it probably in your kitchen. Um, well, we saw that you know, this accounted for about $30 million of our revenue. And all of a sudden one day, one popped up on there and it was ahead of us. So we started paying to promote it and we would pay and it would still outrank us. Didn't matter what we did. Didn't matter how much we paid. We we're bidding at one time. I think the, our, our guy put it up to like $30 bid or something like that. Still couldn't outrank it. Hmm, weird. Uh, it's, it can outrank Amazon basics. Ever. Now, I think they've, they've been a little more fair towards this um, nowadays, but still, you can't outrank it. You can't do anything. They're not paying for it. It's their platform. They own it. They will undercut you, and it will be cheaper. So theirs was cheaper. So immediately overnight, that was about a $1.8 to $2 million just hit right there. Now, we were still getting sales from it because everybody had written about it, blogged about it, talked about it. Um, so I would say one way to defend yourself against this is really focus around external placements or external partners talking about you and driving directly to Amazon to purchase from you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's one way to protect yourself, but ultimately like it couldn't protect our business. You know, we're still having to pay affiliate commissions to those guys. We're still taking a cut. And when you take a 50% haircut, maybe even 60% haircut on a business, like overnight, like it's hard to make that up. And because you just, as a business, you're predicting the future. Um, next thing that happened to us is we started fighting back and we started writing posts about it and kind of like really actually causing a stir about them ripping off our product. Well, all of a sudden, what Amazon can give, Amazon can take away. Um, we had always for like two years, um, if you're, if you're selling on Amazon or a lot of these platforms, they have what's called customer satisfaction, approval ratings and on time shipping. Right. So we were reselling other things and like they, right now, Amazon has a 92% or at the time they had a 92% on, 
on-time shipping rate or they turn you off, right? So mm -hmm. around Christmas, everybody falls below this. Like literally every company out there. You, there's like almost nothing you can do. Because Amazon doesn't do anything. Well, us, they cut us off. And when they cut us off, they would not turn us back on. Most people to turn back on, if you just show that you're doing your thing, they cut us off. All of a sudden, we had done the year before 110, about 110, 111 million dollars. <laughs> 92 million of that was from Amazon. Oh my! Goodness. I mean, we're a major partner of theirs. Yeah. They cut us off. They don't care. No, it just goes to them. They now yeah, have or them. Amazon or them. And now so, all of that um, 92 million dollars goes to them, or a lot of it. I I laid off 76 people in one day. Went in a room and just said, "Hey guys, can't pay you anymore." Uh, liquidated our inventory, liquidated our warehouse. Like we went out of business. Yeah. We went under. Um, it really, really sucked. Yeah. So like, building terrible. on other people's platforms, it can give you really quick growth, right? To leverage someone else's platform. But yep. generally that other platform figures out what you're doing and figures out how to get their cut of it. And yeah, eventually they will. So ways to protect yourself. Uh, I might go into that because I don't know if you're going yes, to talk about to. that. Um, one, diversify yourself away from other things. Us, it was about 85, 86% of our revenue was from one source. Uh, that was not good. Um, we scrambled in the last weeks and were able to make up some of that by eBay, by Overstock, by Sears, by a few other places. Um, but it was a little too little too late. Um, we also, you know, at the time before this, we had closed two retail locations. Um, like we had two physical stores that we had and we closed them. They just weren't as profitable as our online thing. Looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, those stores still did make like $20,000 profit every single month. They just weren't making what the other one was making. Um, so I might've kept those open, but really when it comes down to it is I would have made sure that no more than, and this is our current business model as well. I don't like keeping more than 40% of any, any vendor, any, anything um, being more than 40% of our revenue. If it's more than 40%, we really start pushing hard in other verticals and not even not as profitable verticals. Number one, diversify. So you have different products and you're selling in different ways. Um, yeah. And I guess that's two, two strategies to protect yourself. Have multiple products. So even if one product gets shut off, you have yes. other products. And then the second one is to sell with other distributors or sell Correct. through other sources or platforms. Okay, so those yep. are two strategies. A third strategy would be having your own website. And, yes, and I mean, that, that goes without saying. You should have your own website. I would focus as much as you can around driving every single sale through your website so that people start yep. expecting that's where you go through. Yep. And then the fourth way would be to work with influencers. So you work directly with them and they're sending to your website, not to Amazon or another platform. And then the fourth way would be getting people on your email list, especially if it was some kind of recurring product. So they were buying from you instead of going through Amazon. So you, you control the continued relationship. Yep. That sure sucks. I'm so sorry for you. That is a, you know, I, I mean, it's part of business. It's part of life. Um, I'm glad I learned the lesson a little earlier in life and early in that business. So I didn't have, I mean, I did have everything writing on it, but 
I could make the mistakes. I was a lot younger. I was just barely married, you know, going through essentially my company going bankrupt and us being hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt when we were newlyweds is a lot easier than being in debt with a bunch of kids and a house and a mortgage and all these things. We were renting, we were doing this. I learned a lot during that time. It was very good. I also learned like, I mean, you, you learn like, I mean, you guys want to hear a great way to liquidate inventory. So here is my best tip. I liquidated over half a million dollars in pure cost in three days. Okay. How'd you do it? So you know how people put signs out in front of warehouse and it says warehouse sale. Yeah. Okay. So we were offering all of our products like, 50 to 70% off what our cost was. We put these signs out and we were doing like three to $5,000 a day, right? And we did this for like a week and a half. We're just trying to get rid of stuff. All of a sudden I'm like, huh, we got to do something. And I just told my wife, I was like, Hey, can you please go outside and just get some people in here? I got to get rid of this. So she sat out there and held a sign and put it out there. We did $45,000 in sales that day. The next day I had her and another employee go on both sides of the street and do this. We did $90,000 in sale. I hired three other people and then we did $150,000 in sale. So all these people, when they're out spinning the signs and stuff like that, it freaking works. So if you need to blow through some inventory or you want a little bit more love to your business, put a real human being out there with a sign spinning around, it works. After that, I started another company uh, in the real estate space, which I was in before that. Uh, helped people buy and sell their homes online. Uh, it was a little virtual tour company. I ended up building, growing, selling it. Uh, I kind of got to see kind of what a, a very successful company looks like from extreme advertising and putting massive budgets to things. Uh, that sold um, to a large real estate firm out there, Coldwell Banker bought it, and uh, they then they then tanked it a little bit way longer. I ended up going from there, buying a company, um, growing it, becoming very very successful, and then being destroyed by Amazon in a matter of weeks. Yeah. After Organize, uh, I had to find what I was going to do. I just started doing a little bit of consulting. Uh, I know I'm really good at some specific parts of online marketing. And, you know, I have taken companies from zero to hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. Uh, so I, you know, I've walked the walk, I've talked the talk. So I started selling my consulting services because I was broke and hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in debt. So that's what you do mm -hmm. um, to survive. So started selling that, started doing very, very well. Um, at doing that, I was invoicing a lot of clients and I just got sick of, you know, I was invoicing these people being invoiced by these people. And all of a sudden I was having like hundreds and hundreds of invoices submitted to me every single month. So I'm like, screw this. Like I, there's gotta be a better way. So I went and built an, well, I bought an invoicing company and then basically forced every single one of my, uh, contractors and people that I was billing out to, to use my invoicing platform just to save me time, energy, and money. So I, I basically put it live on that site and I'm just like, Hey, you guys will use this. So, uh, like three or four months into that, I noticed that they were using it with their clients and then their clients started using it. This was starting to get like 
a lot of people. And before I knew it, I had like, I remember specifically logging in one day and there was 32,000 registered users. Oh my goodness. And like 180,000 or 200,000 or some large astronomical number of invoices that were sent in the last 30 days. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What's going on with this? So <clears throat> I'm like, hey, I'm going to, I got to get like, this could be a really good opportunity. So I went and I bought a domain and keep in mind, this was my failed company. This was like 12 months later, my failed company, the contracting had paid off all my debt, had gotten us, gotten a little bit of savings. And this company was starting to do. So I put a pricing on the page and I'm like, Hey, if you want to be able to send a specific amount of things, you got to pay for it. And then it started like, getting like two, three, five, ten 10 new subscribers paying for this every single day. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. This is truly weird. So I, uh, I then went and bought a, a good domain for it. I went and bought do.com, D-U-E.com. I started building that and it, it became like a real company. So that, that was fun. Um, and then my most recent one uh, adventure that I'm starting on is I, uh, I mean, that company, by the way, is still going, still running, still doing great, still making profit, uh, has a team running it and it's great. Like how many users, what's the revenue? If you feel, uh, I don't know exact. I can't actually probably give you exact, but we have a little over 500,000 users, <laughs> active users for that business. So it's a fun little software. It works great. Um, you know, it's great for invoicing people and stuff like that. So uh, we have payments and stuff like that, credit card, merchant processing, stuff like that. We process a, a lot of money okay. as well. So That's yeah. Um, so from there, I went to a company called Calendar. I hate my calendar. My calendar controls my life, controls everything I do. So I went and started building a calendar product. So that's what I'm working on today. And it's calendar.com. Okay, so let's talk about that really quick. Let's talk about the free business model. And you use yeah. it on where you let people do it for free and just kind of let it get some traction and momentum. And then yep. once you saw that it was doing well and you had lots of people using it, you then added a, a premium upgrade for people that were your power users. And mm -hmm. it looks like you're doing something similar to that with calendar.com where you're trying to get everybody in using it, get hundreds of thousands of people in it, and then you start adding additional functionality and you charge for those power users. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the freemium model um, for us was uh, an easy way for us to see if people would actually use the, the product before we shelled out, you know, millions of dollars to actually build it. So, you know, before we actually launched a real like full fledged product that we spend a lot of money on, we built a quick MVP. And that MVP started signing people up and showing usage. And that's what we had launched up until about a month ago. And it had a, a pro feature on there. And we're like, oh, like, yeah, like half a percent of people upgrade to pro. And then we paid attention to what those pro users, like paid users are actually doing, how they're using the product, what they're doing, as well as free people, what they're doing, how they're using the product, how often they're using the product, what core functionality of the product they're using. And then those core users, we emailed all of them and were like, hey, what would you be willing to pay for? And we got a, a wide range of responses, but there was like three or four features where we had like probably like 
three to 500 people reach out and be like, I would be willing to pay for that specific thing. So if you're doing the freemium model, I use freemium not only to attract, but to see how customers are actually using it. As they would say in other terms, kind of a get, get people addicted yeah. to using your product, then add additional things that they would like and make those paid. It's, it's taking the things that they love and enjoy. And there's probably like three features now that we, that are pro that if you signed up, if you were part of the first like hundred or 200,000 people that signed up, you just get those for free. Yeah. Uh, Cause you were an early adopter and now those are part of the paid program. So you can also do things like that where you start inhibiting people and start saying, no, th this is used by like 90% of those people. We have to make money as a company. So this is what we're going to do. That's a good strategy. Okay. So you made a switch from being a very successful um, retailer to being a SaaS company entrepreneur and CEO. What are your greatest monetization secrets? What advice would you give to other people that would help them be successful in turning the assets, the businesses, the people, the knowledge that they have into revenue? Probably the best uh, that I can recommend is kind of what I was talking about a second ago is become the very best at something yes. um, so that nobody else can be better at it than you. That helps you go into other niches or new niches and become the very best at doing that too. And entrepreneur is only going to write about your company once every blue moon, but I can write about my company every single time I write. So that worked very, very well for me. So that's kind of my superpower is doing that type of stuff. If your super power is affiliate, become the very, very best at that. And once you've dominated that, start branching out into other verticals. Like I do paid search, I do social, I do all these other things, but I'm not the best at it. I am okay at it. So it drives revenue, it drives customers, it drives this, but nobody can dominate where I truly dominate. And that's my bread and butter and all the rest are just like me growing and growing and growing. I love it. Okay, so for, for people that are interested in writing for these other publications, like, like you mentioned, TechCrunch and Entrepreneur, yeah. um, how hard is it to get into that? Um, what advice do you, like if I wanted to become a writer in TechCrunch or Entrepreneur, what would I need to do to, to get into that? And I assume yeah. they pay you anything. I, no, they don't pay me anything. So some of the publications, it's easy. Just network your way up to one of the editors and just reach out and be like, hey, I want to write for your publication. Uh, even on TechCrunch, on the right-hand side, it says uh, submit a story. And you can submit a story to TechCrunch and they will accept or reject it. Um, now, improving your odds of success is getting to know the editor, commenting on the things, tweeting them, uh, messaging them, right. snap, not snapping them, but actually building a relationship with them. I built relationship and I spend a lot of my time actually building and fostering relationships. So become a relationship and connection master. Know that, uh, you know, if you're writing for these other publications, you are building on someone else's foundation. So for example, I wrote for Inc. for like three years. I wrote two times a week for three years. And then I got a call one day saying, thanks, but no thanks, we're done. And it was gone in one day. Yeah. So you are building on other people's foundations, but I'm to the point now where I have so many foundations built that it doesn't necessarily matter.
you have so many platforms that you're diversifying. Correct. Okay? I love it. And, and it's helped you build your social following all over the place now. Because I was looking at a list of the top um, entrepreneurship bloggers, influencers in the entrepreneurship space, and, and you were in the top 25. I'm like, oh my goodness, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> I know him. You know, I didn't get there by, by doing this. I, I, I got there by being really authentic. Um, at least I feel I am. Um, and putting it out there and a lot of hard work. Yeah. So I didn't build up like these millions of followers or this. It started like one follower at a time. And it's like, I built up trust with that. If you can build up trust with someone, they will follow you for life and comment on your stuff and be part of your tribe. And if you can get them as part of that. So for me, um, I'll, I'll share this with you as well. I have this little motto that I go by. <clears throat> I like helping people, genuinely helping people without wanting or needing anything in return. Um, similar to like me coming on this, like I'm not trying to get anything. I'm not trying to do anything. I genuinely, I want to help. So I have a thing where I find that one in every 10 people I help will help me back. One in 10 will help me back. Like that so I help them out. Offers, only one comes back to say thank you, right? Only one comes back to say thank you. So one in 10 I help will help me back. One in a hundred will turn into a financial relationship. So I help a hundred people and I will make money out of one of those people. And one in every thousand people will turn into, now doesn't have to be at that time, but at some point in time, one in every thousand people I help will turn into a multi-million dollar relationship. So what does that mean for me as a business owner? It means that I need to help three people every single day genuinely hop on the phone, put a message out there, help them get this, make a connection there, do something like that. If I can help three people every single day, it will make me millions of dollars in the long run. Now that million might not be in the first year. Like for example, my current business partner, I helped him like six years ago. He was like, Hey, can you help me out with this? It's like, sure. And then he helped me back and I was like, Oh, that's fun. And then I helped him and he helped me back. And it became like we were trying to help each other and outdo the other one. And then we started doing business together and we started making money together. And then all of a sudden we were like pretty much, you know, business partners without being business partners. He had his own company. I had my own company. But all of a sudden we're like, dude, let's just do this. And now we're making millions together. It took us seven years to get to that point. But then we started making millions together. I have a, a lot of those type of relationships where we help each other out, help, 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 help. That is my tribe. Those are my people. And a lot of those people follow me on social, but it didn't just start off day one being like, hey, we're going to do a multi-million dollar relationship here. No, it started off by me helping them, then them helping back and me being like, oh, I really like this person and start really wanting to help that person become better than they are. So my life advice. That is a, that providing value and then the reciprocity that we as humans want to give to others who give us value. That's, that's brilliant, brilliant uh, advice. One of my best things are just helping people. I really, I think if the world all helped each other, we'd be a much better place. We'd go further and we'd all be making a lot more money. But the money isn't even like I help some people and they don't even care about money. 
They care about other things. So find out what means things to other people and start really helping them out. If people enjoyed what they heard today um, or read or watched today and they want to learn more, they can go to do.com to sign up for your, your uh, invoicing technology. They can go to calendar.com to sign up for your, your uh, integrated calendaring system. Um, yeah, or just uh, follow me online at John Rampton. Google me. I'm, I'm all over the internet. Uh, I, I blog a lot for Entrepreneur Magazine, a lot of other big publications as well. Follow me on John Rampton, at John Rampton on pretty much any social media platform out there. But, uh, you know, if I can help you guys out in any way, reach out and love to help. Thank you, John, for sharing your fabulous monetization stories and secrets with us today. Here are some of the top secrets that stood out to me from today's episode. Number one, we can use a platform strategy to quickly grow our business. However, we need to build a skyscraper on land we own. This means we should focus on driving as many people as we can to our site and email list so we have direct relationships with customers that cannot be shut off by a platform. Number two, we should diversify. So no more than 40% of our business is coming from one source. Number three, the SaaS or software as a service business model is very attractive because it can provide consistent recurring revenue. Number four, we can effectively grow our credibility and search engine backlinks by writing for leading publications. However, we should remember that when we do this, we are building on land that someone else owns. For example, John put a lot of time into writing for Inc. One day he received a call that they were done working with him and all of the effort he invested was gone. So we have to focus on bringing people back to something we own, such as an email list when we are doing a platform strategy. Number five, we should genuinely help other people with no expectation of anything in return. However, because of the law of reciprocity, many of those people will want to help us as well. If we desire monetization we have never before achieved, we must leverage strategies we have never before implemented. I challenge each of us to pick one thing that has resonated with us from today's episode and schedule a time this week to implement it to help achieve our monetization goals. What ideas do you have about how we can leverage platforms to build a skyscraper on land we own. Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.